What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Meet Us at Molly's. This one's kind of a big deal though. Bronnie, you wanna say it together? Yeah. Three. You ready? Yeah, three, two, one. Episode one. Oh my goodness. Episode 100. That's bananas. It's crazy. Like it's even like, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but like it's crazy to think that it's like actually here. It is crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. So we're loving every minute of it, guys. You know that. And you know how much we love you as listeners. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for dealing with our craziness. We're not going anywhere. So yeah. Yay. 100 episodes. By the way, listeners, if you hear any crazy background noise, um, it's been a crazy week for us, mostly Bryna. Um, <laughs> yeah, Br- uh, Bryna had to improvise in her recording location. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, not worth going into details, but yeah. It's okay. It's all good. We, you do. Hey, I am committed. That's how committed you I are, am to this. Yes. I could have said, 100. no, we have to put it off again, but no, I am committed. Yeah. Well, remember, this is, like, at con, like, that last night we recorded, and I was on hold with Delta, and we just, like, had the phone, and, like, every couple seconds we would, like, be talking, and then it would just, like, speak up, so it's cool. It's fine. It's all good. Just, yeah, no, totally fine. So let's get into the news, like we always do. Um, Just a little bit of news, not too much this week. Uh, Bryna, I'll let you start us off. I honestly woke up very late this morning. Today is Sunday that we're recording. Woke up late, missed the q and I'll let you take it from here, Bryna. Yeah, so Derek, you know, does his Sunday Q&A. I mean, nothing too crazy or noteworthy, I guess. Um, I did something I did think was interesting. Someone asked, you know, like, what's coming up for Brett? Apparently, there's a giant Brett storyline for the last three episodes. So that's exciting. Giant Brett storyline. Yeah, giant Brett storyline. That's his words, not mine. Giant, like, how? I don't know. I feel like it has to do with something... It has to do something with the chaplain related. Yeah. Just because, like, she's been kind of depressed since that whole thing. I hope she's okay. Can we not leave her in mortal peril at the end of the season? I would appreciate that. Or emotional peril. Like, I don't need her to... Any sort of peril? Yeah. 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 That'd be great. That That would be great. That would be great. Hmm. So, that yeah, that'll be interesting. Um... Hmm. Just like, gets the wheels turning. We sure that Derek wasn't trolling? I mean, I don't think so. I feel like he's never that specific with his trolling. Huh. Like, I feel like he wouldn't have said Giant Brett storyline for the last three episodes. Because, like, somebody asked him, too, like, what's going on with Casey and he's, or, like, next episode or something, and he said something like, small boy and I don't remember what else he said but you know it was like two things and I feel like when Derek's like kind of trolling he'll answer in vagueness like that where he never answers things like this yeah so I don't know interesting okay 
Just kind of get the wheels turning, start speculating. All right. Okay. Great. Uh, Brian, then take us through the next one as well. Yeah. So one of the things, um, we, one of our listeners, Jamie, sent us a link to an article she wrote um, on her blog called Professions and Personal Drama on the One Chicago Shows. And she just said, you know, like, I think you guys would be interested in this. You know, like, I'd love to get your opinions. And, I mean, it's something we've talked a lot about. Because, like, basically what she's talking about in the whole thing is about how, like, comparing FIRE and PD specifically. And how FIRE seems to be able to do more interpersonal storylines. Because there's more downtime and etc. But one of the things that I really liked that she did was that she took Stellaride and Upsick. And for, I think it was six episodes, it was basically starting with, like, the first episodes back from hiatus, and I think she went up until six episode 16. Um, she literally broke down, like, what happened with each couple in each episode, and so you were able to see, like, patterns and stuff, and one of the things, you know, she pointed out was that, like, or no, I think it was episodes 15, because she was talking about how, like, with Stellaride, for example, like, there was some, even though they were technically broken up, like there was something happening with that relationship in each one of those episodes, whether it was big or small, but there was something happening. Whereas like with Upsick, like because of the way PD is, there, you know, would be on occasion episodes where outside of the cases, there was nothing happening with them. So I just thought the way she laid it out was really interesting. It was really interesting to see like the side by side and like to see episode by episode, like, what happened with these couples. Um, so I just thought that was something interesting that she did. Cool. That's cool. I admittedly have not had the chance to check it out yet. It's just because Vegas work stuff, bananas, crazy life. But I definitely intend to read that because that sounds really interesting to kind of lay it out like that. Yeah. And I feel like last week, especially, I mean, I know Gina, you weren't on the pod last week, but I feel like in every single one of the conversations that I had, like, that was something that, even with Med, like, that was something that came up was, like, how each of the shows deals with the interpersonal drama and, like, how that's affected the storytelling that they're doing this season. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that, like, she, of course, sent us an article that she wrote and something that's something she's noticed, too. Um, and that, in the fact there's that, too, that she took the time to, like, actually write all her feelings about it in, like, a very long blog post. Like, I thought that was really cool. So I don't think I've, I know I tweeted her back about it, but I'll retweet the article once the episode gets posted so that everyone can read it. Um, cool. So, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Um, the last bit of news we have, it's just a bit of kind of a guessing game, but it's not confirmed yet, but we're thinking the finales are going to air on May 22nd. So mark your calendars maybe in pencil just because we don't really have confirmation yet but if we're going off of the schedule kind of coming up in the future here we're off for the next two weeks which you is guys crazy know that this sh- it is crazy yeah the shows are not coming back until april 24th so we have april 24th that they're back they're off the next week the week of may 1st and then we think that they'll be on for the next three weeks in a row and so that should take us to may 22nd yeah, and that sounds about right for a finale date. But, like, it's just crazy. Like, I was – who – I don't remember. It might have been Car- Carlin who was DMing us. Um, and I was, like – she said something, and I was, like, oh, yeah. Like, well, it just would make sense that, like, they're coming back. Like, once they come back from these two weeks, that they'll stay on. And then she was, like, no, like, the 
what is airing? Some award shows airing on May first. Billboard Music yeah. Awards. Yeah, I was gonna. Some, I was gonna. I thought that was it. Um, and then she was like, "No, NBC's airing that, so like they'll have to go off for another week." I was like, "That's crazy." I thought ABC usually has the Billboard Music Awards. Yeah, I don't remember NBC doing it, and I don't ever really remember them being on a Wednesday, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's weird, but yeah. So that's tentatively the schedule god i really hope fire doesn't pull another two-hour finale on us again i'm not emotionally prepared for that i don't think they can because they all air on the same night that's very true i also hope that deadline does not spoil the finale the day before this year but just think about it gina we have to watch all three finales back to back to back for three hours that might even be worse than the fire two-hour movie i hadn't even thought of that and (laughs) now that you say that Ouch. (laughs) Yikes. So we have ideas of what we want to do for our finale coverage. We have a couple things in the works, so we'll be trying to solidify that probably in the next coming weeks. And, you know, stay tuned. We're going bigger than we did last year. We're trying to. We're trying to, at least. um, We're trying to, yeah. So definitely keep an ear out because, yeah, we got some cool things in the works. So, alrighty. Shall we move on into the episodes? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, these are episodes 18, right? Oh, shit, yeah. 18. 18, yeah. So 418, 718, 618. So, alrighty. So, I actually really liked this episode of Med. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was good. I definitely thought it was one of their better ones. I don't know if I'd say it was, like, my favorite or anything, but I definitely liked it. Um, I mean, there's... I have some feelings about certain things, but we'll get there. I think I'm the weird one here because everything I've read, like my consensus of the week's episodes, I think Med might have been the strongest of the three, but I seem to be in the minority there. And I only say that because, you know, when I talk to my mom about these things, she's just like, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know. No, I'd I'd agree with that. I think with PD, the only issue is that there was so much that was happening. Like, it's a lot to process. Like, I've seen it twice now, and it's still, like, I don't know really what happened. Right. PD had one of the strongest stories, no doubt. That story was strong, but it also went on forever. Yeah. Forever. Because every moment of that episode was just, like, fact, information, plot it was every single moment of that episode was important so it was like by the end of it you were just like oh my god my brain is an overload yeah like i said i've seen it twice and i still can't really tell you what happened (laughs) but we'll get there but yeah i definitely think Mm -hmm. you could say like you could definitely make an argument for med being the strongest and i think i'd agree with that for sure Mm -hmm. yeah so Before we even start the episode, we got a DM from Laurel and Laurel just kind of summed it up real nice. She just said, she said, I believe Med needs to get incense, sage and a priest. Too many things happen in this hospital. Amen. It's so true. I would like I saw that in her email and I was like, we have to start with this because it's just such a good summary of Med. For real. For real. Yeah. So. Uh, We'll start with Natalie and Ethan in April because they were kind of all in each other's orbit this week. So starting off, um, Maggie has been holding out on us. She's had this amazing nickname for Will for all this time and has not shared it with us until this episode. How did we never think to call him Big Red? I don't know, but it's 
I'm like refuse to call Will anything but from here on out. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's so good. Like I didn't even know like the fill up stuff, like I mean, like it was so brief that like it we didn't it didn't even really make it into our outline, but I was like, we have to talk about the fact that Maggie called him Big Red because like it's so good. It's like the biggest, easiest nickname that was right there, and it took us four seasons to think of it. And by us, I mean Maggie. It's so good. It's so perfect. It's perfect. So perfect. But yeah, so Natalie and Ethan have this girl. She's been throwing up or something. I don't know. She's really sick. But it's just funny because when we were live tweeting, I mean, I, I did like I was live tweeting last week. Twitter was just like exploding with diagnosis. Like that's where we're at with this show now is that everybody's kind of a medical expert. So like she came in with all these symptoms and Twitter was just like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, it's appendicitis. Oh, it's this reaction. It's that. And uh, it was just really funny because everybody was just kind of like diagnosing her. And then I get a message from my mom and she's like, nobody said it's her gallbladder. I was like, OK, we're all just. Armchair doctors now. I see how that goes. So that's funny. Turns out she was pregnant. Uh, She took a medication to induce an abortion. I didn't know that medications could cause abortions or like kind of get that ball rolling. I didn't know that. There's so much I had no idea about in this episode. Like the whole thing about like pregnancy being like a way for you to get emancipated in Illinois, like that whole thing. I was like, what the heck? That too. Yeah, that was mind blowing too. That pregnancy equals emancipation. I didn't even know that was a thing in any of the states, never mind just Illinois. Yeah, well, it's funny. So I was like looking up because I like was like, okay, I have like we can't go into this episode and not having like Googled that a little bit. So I was like looking it up and like according to like the Illinois General Assembly, apparently consent to performance of a medical or surgical procedure may be given by minors who are married pregnant or parents such minors are deemed to have the same rights including right to confidentiality as people 18 years of age and older cool that's you went lawyer i'm so proud of you (laughs) yeah but that's crazy yeah, and where did they come down on either side of the argument? Wasn't Natalie like, yeah, she gets to decide, and Choi was just like, no? Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. It's such a blurry line, as I feel like, I yeah. mean, obviously every medical case in the show is, but I don't know. I, like, kept going back and forth on, like, who I sided with, and I, like, because I've seen it twice. Like, I feel like one time I, did, I was – more on Natalie's side and then the other time I felt like I was more on Ethan's side so like I don't really know still how I feel about it Ethan takes these opinions sometimes that are just so sensitive that like he takes these sides and I'm just like excuse you Ethan like sit your ass down and it's like not even that he's just so sensitive about it it's more that like when he feels something about it, like, he takes it to the umpteenth degree and, like, almost won't stop until the other person, like, folds. Right. Which right. I think is more what annoys me about it. Like, if he disagrees and if he's just passionate about it, like, okay, like, that's fine. But, like, mm-hmm. he just, he goes so, he almost in some way goes so far until, like, in this case, like, obviously trying to make Natalie fold. And even if that involves bringing Goodwin in, then, like, okay, he, that's what he, he did what he had to do. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. We also got a little surprise this week, which I was not expecting. Um, 
Yeah, so the episode starts, April cut her hair, April's doing all of these things, she's kind of acting a little differently. Ethan, once again, takes it to extremes. He's like, you're seeing somebody new, holy crap. It's Emily! Emily's back! Holy crap! I think she'd come back at some point this season, just because, you know, she still was around earlier on, and I feel like they made, like, a big deal of that whole relationship with her and April and Ethan, like... Written. Like, for her not to have come back, I thought would have been a little weird. I mean, obviously, unless they just couldn't get Arden Cho to come back for, like, scheduling purposes. But mm-hmm. I didn't see it coming in this way. Um, and so, like, I was really surprised when I, like, saw her on my screen. I was like, oh, crap. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Emily's back. She had the baby. That baby is cute. Yeah. Cute. Uh, but, yeah, I did not see this coming, that Emily was going to come back. Usually we get some sort of heads up or something. And... Arden had posted something on social media maybe a week or so ago. I don't know if it's like a new role or something, but she was like wearing like, you know, another like pregnant belly. And I was like, well, if she's coming back to med, surely she's had the baby by now. So that like it was in my head that like maybe she'd come back, but I didn't think it was going to happen this week. So that's cool. Yeah, I will say the one thing that like kind of annoyed me about this whole thing was, again, Ethan being like very hypocritical as like Laurel pointed out. And like he like storms up to April's apartment and of course just like wants us automatically assume who she's dating like a that she's dating someone and b he wants to know who he is and like as laurel points out like he has no right to do that whatsoever and she says she's like he didn't even think about april's feelings when he was dating vicky so like why should she care if he's like if she's dating someone like why should she care about his feelings that's completely true and i i you know i didn't even think about it that way that like he didn't take april's feelings into consideration you know he just went on and dated vicky now granted I mean, they kind of handled it differently, right? Like, April didn't really act on her feelings while Ethan was dating Vicky. She just kind of had them and just, like, went on with her life. But, yeah, Ethan doesn't get to do that. He doesn't get to just storm on over to her apartment thinking she's dating somebody else. Right. Well, and it's funny, too, because, like, I remember when going back to that episode where, like, she sees where Ethan's in the hospital bed and she sees Vicky by it and, like, She's, like, going to go say something to him, but when she sees Vicky, she, like, decides not to and, like, turns around. And it's kind of funny to, like, think about the double standard just because, like, I think in that moment we both were, or I know I was specifically not trying to speak for you, but, like, rooting for April to go act on her feelings and kind of do what Ethan's doing now. But, like, I was Mm -hmm. rooting for April to do it. Like, I wanted her to go be proactive and tell Ethan how she feels and, like, you know, get all judgy and, like, do what she needs to do because, like, you could just see it on her face. She was so in love with him. But, like, in this moment, like, just the way Ethan's going about it, I'm like, eh, nah. Like, no, nah, you're good. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about this. Like, respect April. Like, you have no say in it. Like, who cares? So it's just yeah, funny to think I mean, about the double standard. Exactly, exactly. It's one thing if he wanted to go and, like, profess his love to her at the at, at her door. Like, whatever. That's one thing. You're going to go. You're going to say your piece. And that's that. Right. But for him to be like, are you dating somebody new? What's going on? What's happening? Like, okay, that's a little much, Ethan. Like, stop it. Right. Like, you – I mean, but, if she wants yeah. – if you guys are friends, then, like, she'll tell you if she wants to. And, like, that's it. Like, you have no right to mm-hmm. know. Right. Right, right, right. So – I don't know. I had a second there when, you know, everything was hinting at her seeing somebody new. I thought she may have reconnected with Tate. Am I the only person who thought that? Probably. I think the, the whole thing with Tate, though, is that it's like that was so done. I mean, we haven't even heard mention of him since he left. That's true. Or since true. he like got written off whatever happened. I don't remember what happened, mm-hmm. like why he left. But 
like since he stopped being on the show, like they haven't even mentioned him or anything mm-hmm. that happened to April in that season. Now that I think about it, <laughs> really, that's true. Um, yeah. And she went through yeah. a lot in season two, but yeah. So I didn't think about it just because of that, but I did think it was weird. Like I did think something was up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So mm. April's such a good friend. Like. Especially when you think about where she started with Emily, like she cut her hair because the baby likes to tug on it. And, you know, basically Bernie has left Emily in the dust. And so she's staying with April. And it's just I mean, that's your ex-boyfriend's sister. And you're just doing it like not even caring what your ex-boyfriend thinks. Like she's a really fierce friend. Yeah, no, she, I mean, April's the greatest, but I thought Allison brought up a really interesting point, too. So Allison said, you know, I thought it was really obvious that April was in contact with Emily as soon as she took the phone call, but Emily had the baby and Ethan didn't even know its name, like, seriously. I know their relationship wasn't in the greatest place, but I can't imagine that Ethan would have had no contact with his sister and not even wanted to know how she and the baby were doing, like, makes him look like a real jerk, which is a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Kind of does, actually, yeah. She, but but also on the flip side of that, was Emily not going to tell him that she had the baby? Wait, say that again? Uh, I mean, it's a two-way street, right? So, yeah, it makes Troy look like a jerk that he didn't, you know, try to get in touch with her while she was in Vegas or anything. But it's a two-way street. I mean, Emily, in theory, wasn't going to tell Ethan that she was back in Chicago with the baby. Right. So, I mean, it kind of it's kind of a two-way street, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point, too. I just, like, it's still kind of crazy to me, though, that, like, they just, like, he didn't even know. Especially because, I mean, yeah, like, Allison said, like, they weren't in the greatest place necessarily, but, like, I didn't think they ended things, like, on bad terms. Like, they, you know, like, Ethan saw them off, like, driving into Mm -hmm. the sunset to go to Vegas. So, like, I don't know. That is weird, though. Yeah. No, it is weird. But, I mean, you know, sibling relationships, what are you going to do? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of that whole deal. I'm glad Emily's back. I hope she sticks around. I like her. Yeah. I mean, I would assume so, at least for, I mean, there's not that many episodes left in the season, so I'd assume she'd be around for at least one or two more, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Alrighty, shall we talk about Connor? Oh, Lord. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I'm, like, excited to talk about this, because I was very, very amused by this, uh, this little arc here. So, Okay. I've heard of IRS scams where, like, people call you pretending to be the IRS, but, like, to put somebody at ransom and, like, make you think they've been kidnapped? I've never heard of that. Well, I don't think they probably exist. But, like, it's crazy. Right. I, like, I don't... I mean, it's plausible, like, given Connor's family, but, like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack, but it's, I mean... It's crazy. I got a really good laugh when uh, they when Connor was leaving the bank and Ruzik was like, yeah, it's a scam. I, I, I laughed. I feel like I shouldn't have, but yeah, I did. Can we please talk about, though, how like Ruzik made his first appearance on Med ever? Ever. Ever. That's true. That is his very first appearance on Med ever. Yeah, IMDb. I mean, I knew it was, but, like, I, I went and double-checked, like, IMDb. Like, it's confirmed. Like, that is his first appearance on Med ever. <laughs> Which is crazy. And I loved it. I loved it. Yes. Yeah, but no, going back to... 
I was going to say, going back to the scam, like, when Rizik tell, tells him it's a scam, like, yeah, I thought it was funny, but at the same time, then, it made the promo, like, the promo then made this whole thing seem way overhyped. I mean, I can see both sides of that. I don't know. I just felt like I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know if I really wanted the, like, something to actually be wrong, but I just thought, like, I was like, oh, that was it? Like, all of that for this? Like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see both sides of that. I, I'm glad that it was Robin who they made us think was in danger because I feel like if it had been his dad or his sister or something, we wouldn't have cared as much. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Him, you know, him writing it down and just being like, you know, they took Robin or whatever. That kind of got all of us involved because I was at that point, I was like, do not touch her. She's so precious. Don't do it. But I feel like if it had been anybody else, we would have been like, eh, whatever. They can do what they want with them. Like Connor can figure it out. Yeah. But okay, can we, speaking of Robin, because I think this made mm-hmm. it very clear, obviously, that he's like always going to love Robin, like whether it's like whatever, but he's always going to have some love for Robin. But like, is Robin the one for him? I mean, like I said, like I obviously, it's obvious that he loves her, and I do like what she brings out in him, but like, is she sticking around? Like, are we supposed to be rooting for them to get back together? Like, what is this whole situation? Yeah, that's a good question, because. I'm glad she's back and I'm with you. I love her. I love what she brings out in him. But yeah, I mean, we haven't heard anything. Is Makaya Cox sticking around? Does she have another role elsewhere? Like what's happening? But I I would love that if she stuck around. And I think based on the women we've seen with Connor up until now, I would say of the three of them, because it's been three, right? Zanetti, her, and Ava, right? I would say she's, she's... the best one of the three. I'd agree with all that. My only thing, though, is I still don't think she's Connor's person. I don't know who that is, and I don't know if we've ever met her yet, but, like, I still don't. There's just something about it. Like, it kind of almost feels like, to me, like, early Stella ride, where I was, like, kind of on the fence. Like, I liked it, but, like, I didn't love it yet. And, like, I was still on the fence about whether she was, like, actually the one. Like, that's kind of how I'm feeling about this. And I think, too, just because Micaiah Cox is recurring and so she's in and out and, like, we don't even know. I'm assuming she's in the rest of these episodes, but, like, we don't know what her status holds for season five. So I'm, like, I don't want to get too, like, I don't want to think too much about it and I don't want to get too attached to it yet because, like, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, really. Right. So right. I don't know. I just think if you if you look at the way that I don't know how so much about how Robin is with Connor, but the way R- Connor is with Robin, like he's different with her than he is with Ava. Like he really loves her. Right. Like, you can just tell. Right. And that's I mean, that brings out the Connor that we always loved prior to this season. Um, and so that her return has been a really nice change of pace and just like really refreshing in that sense. But I just like I don't know, like in the back of my head, I'm still like, is she the one? Because I feel like everyone else kind of on this show has, like, the one for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's kind of obvious that, like, Ethan and April, like, that's what you're supposed to be rooting for. Obviously, Will and Natalie, like, that's what you're supposed to be rooting for. Um, but, like, with Connor, it's like, 
such a big question mark. And I feel like with mm-hmm. if, like even looking at fire too, like that's kind of how it was for a while with fire too. It was like Severide had this big question mark for so long. And then he like kind of, it like became clear that like Stella was supposed to be his person. Um, so I don't know, but I still don't know if I believe that Robin is Connor's person, but I do agree that like he loves her. And I think she loves him too, to an extent. And I do agree that like she brings out a better side of him. I just don't know if she's like the one, if that makes sense. I have doubts about whether she is in it for the long haul. Right. Only evidenced by her leaving last season. Right. Which is why I don't want to get too attached either. And I don't think I would. Cause like I said, I'm not even like around on that yet, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just something I was thinking of. Cause like this made it just very clear that he still loves her. And like, I think always will love her. So I was like, but is she, are we, like, are we supposed to be rooting for them? And I don't know if we are, which is kind of crazy, but. Would, would anybody else being kidnapped have evoked that reaction from him? Like, would he have had the same sense of urgency with anybody else? I don't know. I don't think so. I think the closest you can maybe argue is like, maybe one of the co-workers so like maybe will but like it wouldn't have it, it wouldn't have evoked that sense of urgency right right i mean you know the mid-season finale you know jay was like hello will's missing and connor was just like okay moving on so i mean i and i liked seeing that urgent side of connor like that that sense of urgency that holy crap something's on the line yeah i liked it yeah, well, because it brought, I don't know, it just, like, it grounded him a little bit more. It, like, brought the old Connor back, which I really enjoyed. It did. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Because his guard just, like, melts away when Robin's around, if you really think about it. Like, he's got all these walls up, and the minute Robin's around, they just fade away. Whereas with Ava, they're always up because Ava, you know, competes with him. Right. But I think that's why I think the Robin thing to me is so interesting is because, like, normally if like i saw what connor was doing and like the way he was acting towards her like if it was on another show i'd be like oh my god this ship is amazing like i can't get enough of it like i need everything like i need them together you know like all those things but it hasn't really done anything for me and i think it's just because she's not around enough and like i never was really attached to her in the first place and i'm still not really attached to her so like I don't know. It's just like, it's again, it goes back to like, I don't know if I'm rooting for them. I don't think I am. But like, if like, I like her the best, but like, I don't know. It's just Connor's love life is so interesting to me. Yeah, it is. It is. I just, let's see if she sticks around. And if she sticks around, maybe I'll let myself get attached again. But for now, I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm just clocking this interaction moving on. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It was just very refreshing to see a side of Connor where he was not being a pain in the ass. So, you know, whatever. But this also brings us to the question of, you know, who orchestrated this? Do you think Ava did this? I feel like it's too obvious. On Like, on the one hand, I feel like it's too obvious for it to be Ava because it seems so set up toward to be Ava. But I also feel like in my gut, it has to be her. Like, because who else would it be? Like, this isn't some telenovela where someone's going to come out of left field and, like, be like, it was me. Like, it's not going to come out of nowhere and, like, have it be Stark or something like that. Or Like, it's like, like that's not, like, that doesn't happen. Um, not on this show, at least. So, 
I feel like on the one hand it's too obvious to be Ava, but I don't know who else it would be. And like it, my gut is telling me Ava. So I, yeah, I want to say no that like, you know, she wouldn't be capable of that level of like sinister hope level shit. But I also want to say yes, just to sit back and kind of watch the fireworks. See, for me, it's not even that, that like, is why I'm hesitating. Like, for me, it's more of just, like, a right, like, from the writing standpoint and from someone who, like, watches too much TV and can tell, like, structure and stuff. Like, it just seems very obvious. It seems like they're trying to push it, like, make us think it's Ava. So, like, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, no, that's too obvious. Like, what are they doing with the writing? But on the other hand, like, I want it to be Ava, and I feel like my gut is telling me that it's Ava because I don't know who else it would be, and I don't think they're going to come pull out some, like, telenovela twist. Right, right. So... I don't know. Um, Allison sent us an email and she said, you know, she's like a random scam would never have picked Robin as the target. Like, how would they have known that she was important to Connor? A family member would have been a more obvious choice. Only Ava would have a reason to involve Robin, which is a good point. Yeah, no, it's a, I think that's a really interesting point, too. I mean, that's, yeah, because like they're not married or anything like that. Like, how would they know that like Robin is someone to like pick? Mm hmm. But, like, also, how would she be able to whip that together in such a short amount of time? Yeah, I mean, the questions of how she just even put it together at all, or, like, I have so many. I mean, I say she is, like, I'm assuming that it's Ava, because I am. But also, if it is Ava, I mean, and we said this before, but they've got to be setting up her exit from the show, right? You can't do all this crazy shit and then stick around and it be not a big deal. Right, yeah, they can't, like, there's no way, I can't see any scenario even if it wasn't her like I don't even really think I can see a scenario where like she comes back at all next season it's kind of gonna kill her credibility like if she sticks around no matter what in future seasons we're always gonna be like remember in season four when she did all that ridiculous shit yeah I I I just I don't see her coming back from this at all like I just don't yeah if it's her I mean granted she's done some other crazy shit this season but yeah i don't know her being all jealous this episode was not a good look either how she kind of threw a hissy fit when she was like why does connor get the surgery because they requested him right like what does it matter like if the patient the patient gets what the patient wants like i like what do you yeah i don't know oh my god but gwen being like yeah we have like resort style accommodations i'm like gwen sit down go away there's more important stuff happening than this like go away i was like this is so stupid but, I know. yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see a future for Ava on the show. No, me neither. Me um, neither. But Laurel had, like, a little theory, or she sent us, like, an email about it. And she said, you know, Ava's always reminding Connor of the things that she did did and sacrificed for him. You know, like, she's pissed off. She wants his ass to go to the sunken place. Like, you have to remember when she was first introduced, she was supposed to be this antagonist to him. Like, she knows his backstory, you know, about his mother's suicide, the death of the mentor, like Robin, her illness. And, you know, we don't know anything about her other than the fact that she came from South Africa. And she says, hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn. No one is angrier than a woman who has been rejected in love. Uh, it, it's just dicey because, like, yeah, she's, you know, a woman scorned, but she kind of did this to herself. Like, it's her own decisions that got her to this place. Right. No, I definitely agree. I think the thing that, again, and we were kind of talking about this, like, 
Ava knows so much about Connor, and I'm sure Connor knows some stuff about Ava, but, like, we, the audience, don't know anything about her. So it just adds mm-hmm. to that kind of, like, what we always joke about, but, like, that lifetime, like, serial killer, um, like, mentality that they've kind of got going on with her. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, it's a good point. She knows his backstory. She knows his weak points, basically, and so... I mean, what kind of person takes somebody's weak points and uses them against him or her? That's not a friend or a lover. That's a psycho movie killer. Right. Well, and the other thing is, too, is, like, why? Like, what were you talking about? Like, the patient picked Connor. So, like, even if Ava had, like, wanted to try to steal this surgery, like, why did she feel like she had to go to such elaborate lengths to do so? Like, why couldn't she have just thrown a hissy fit a good one? Like, I don't know. Like, I just, like... The fact that that was where she went to, like, if it was her, assuming that it was her, like, the fact that she would go to such elaborate lengths to figure that out is, like, crazy. Yeah. 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 It's, that, just, their, their relationship is so toxic, Connor and Ava. It's just bad. Bad, bad. I will say, if anyone has any theories that, aren't Ava let us know because I don't think from what I've seen on the internet like I don't think anyone thinks it's not her but if anyone out there does Mm -hmm. think that it's someone else other than Ava we'd love to know because I'm just very curious yeah very very much so please let us know please let us know so lastly we've got Will and Agent Lee I don't hate these two together I don't hate them together but it's so hard to like even come close to getting attached just because like we know she's on another show like she's not sticking around that's true that's true so i thought that the injured fbi agent was going to be her yeah i did too but i almost kind of like that it wasn't because i mean we were talking like we have it in our outline but like the fact that like it allowed will to be there for someone else that like i don't know i just think it brings out a different side in will and i liked seeing that yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, this case was a little confusing. Like, they tried to pass it off as that he was in a car crash. But then, I mean, his injuries clearly did not add up. Which, like, if you're going to lie, come on. Make it convincing. But it turned out that they were raiding a meth lab. And I just don't see why they didn't tell him it was a meth lab to begin with. Because the FBI likes to keep things super top secret. I don't know. It, it was weird to me, too. This whole case was weird. I like the parts. Like, I really just more focused on the parts where, like, it was him and, like, Agent Lee talking. Like, I didn't really pay attention to anything else because it really wasn't important in the end. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I just, I, I the the story kind of started to unravel for me when he was like, you're going to tell me what's really going on? And then she wouldn't. And then she didn't. I was like, okay, well, where's the, where's the part where I'm like, oh, I get why she didn't tell him about this. That part never came. But, yeah, it, it just kind of, the whole episode was Will trying to get the truth out of her. And then... When it finally did happen, you know, at the very end, he was like, you know, I find that burdens are easier to bear when they're shared. And I was like, do you, though? Because clearly that's not how you. Yeah. Like, you're not you're just going to not practice what you preach. All right. That's OK. Well, I see how that goes. That's fine. Unless you finally uh, learn from that, mis- like from you learn that from going through that experience, in which case, great. But like, like you said, practice what you preach, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I also thought it was really almost kind of funny when 
Will was like, you need to tell me the truth. What's going on? And Ingrid's question was, is that going to change how you treat him? Have you never seen a medical show, Agent Lee? Apparently not. Have you never just been in a hospital in general? Like, I don't know. I just liked how Will was like, of course it's going to. Like, hello. Um, but yeah, when she finally did tell him, you know, apparently this drug dealer they were after, he had two, you know, tender aged daughters. And instead of trying to get them out of there, I think the gist of it was that he just kind of lit up the entire lab with them inside. Yeah. And yeah. And so, you know, she was having a really hard time trying to stomach that. And then she eventually just kind of like dissolved into tears. And I don't have a problem with him being there for her. Like, you don't have to be romantically involved with someone just to be their shoulder to cry on. Right. Which I think goes against everything Med as a Hospital believes, kind of like Seattle Grace. Um, or Grey's Loan, whatever we're calling it over there in Grey's Anatomy now. But, like, I feel like that goes against most medical shows. Um, but, yeah, I I did like that. And I like that that's, that's kind of why, like, I wish on the one hand she would stick around. But, like, I'm not, like, I'm okay with her leaving, too. Because, like, I feel like I got out of it what I wanted. Which was, like, seeing that different side of Will. And, like, knowing that, like, I feel like you could have seen some growth a little bit in the way Will handles, like, other people's emotions a little bit. Um, and so I feel like we got out of it what we wanted. I feel like that that was not surprising to me that he was kind of there to console her, though. I feel like that's Will. Will, you know, for as maddening as he can be, he's still at the core of it, always has a big heart. So that didn't surprise me. I think for me, what, like, surprised me about it was just, like, everything he's gone through this season, like, I mean, he just went through so, he's just gone through so much shit. And so, like, I think it was nice to see that, like, it was still there. I don't know if surprising is the right word, but, like, it was good, it was, like, nice for me to see that, like, that part of Will was still there. Um, yeah. And that, like, yeah. his toxic relationship with Natalie didn't affect how he sees, like, platonic girlfriends. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, how do you think this ends for them? Do you think they have a quick fling just to get it over with and that's that? I don't know. It depends on when the girl who plays Agent Lee, like, got her pilot. Because she she's working on a pilot, right? That's what she's working on, like, the Dick Wolf pilot on a Dick Wolf's new pilot. I think so. Yeah, so, like, I think it just depends. Like, I mean, she could not be in it again for all we know. Like, I just, you know, like, his pilot season's filming, like, or filmed, you know, like, March, like, kind of probably the time they were finishing up all these episodes. So, like, she could not be in it again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the point of Agent Lee is to kind of make Will realize, like, it kind of makes Will almost fix the things he got wrong with Natalie. I think in so some... So that he can kind of go back to her. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, like, fixed. Obviously, he hasn't fixed everything, but I think it's made him, like start to realize like where he went wrong in that relationship and I think because like I think I mean obviously we don't know we haven't seen a lot of like what the therapy Will did um while he was in Phoenix and like while he was sequestered away but I feel like a lot of that had to do with like the trauma of the situation he was in that night of their wedding not him actually dealing with like why did he lie to her in the first like why did he not lie to Natalie in the first place like why did he do all the things that he did to her earlier this season? And I think maybe this was supposed to make us make him realize 
start or start seeing some of the things that he did wrong and like recognize them for himself, assuming he hasn't already done that in therapy, but I don't think he has. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, overall, I thought it was a really good med episode. I thought it was really good. Definitely a good episode of Ed for sure. Any other notes, last minute tidbits? No, I think that's it. We had a little bit of stuff with Dr. Charles and Cece, but it wasn't that much. I think Cece has been kind of, I feel like she's been a little bit harsh on Dr. Charles, but I mean, I, maybe that's only just because I, you know, I get where Dr. Charles is coming from that he wants to take care of her and she's just kind of like back off, please. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I still don't think it's going to end well, um, but we will see where it goes in these next four episodes. So, yeah. God, four. Is that really what we're down to? That's crazy. Yeah, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, we're down to four. That's so crazy. Goodness. But yeah, so let's move on to Chicago Fire. I felt like this was a good episode. I just kind of was like, okay, that was good. Like, I wasn't like, whoa, blew me away. Thought it was good. Um, Bryna, start us off with the stellar rides, please. Oh my god, so much happening in the Stellaride world. I think this was basically, I mean, this whole episode was pretty much like, I think everyone kind of had ideas that Severide was still in Decella and that like that never had gone away, but this was the episode, or this was the moments where like everyone was realizing that like he actually still really liked her. Um, I mean, even to the point, like the first part of the episode is like, they're, it's like Otis and Stella closing up at Molly's and like Severide's still hanging around. And then he eventually leaves and Otis like makes a comment to Stella and she's like, he's like, ever notice how like Severide only stays still closing on nights where like you're working? Um, and so that's kind of this whole, the like what preempts this whole storyline for this episode is that like Otis tells her that comment and Stella can't stop thinking about that comment. So then she starts to like overanalyze like, all the ways no. Severides acted towards There's her till, like, up until this point, since they broke up, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's, like, asking everyone's opinions about it. She's, you know, especially, like, Foster and Brett. And so they're having this whole conversation, and pretty much they just want to make sure that, like, Stella's not going to get hurt in all of this, which I totally respect. But then a different night at Molly's, Foster takes it upon herself because she sees Severide sitting there, of course, while Stella's working behind the bar. And she goes and approaches him. And they have an honest conversation about it. And Severide even says, like, I can't get her off my mind. Like, truth is, we were good together and I miss it. But then Foster says, you know, you put her through the ringer this last time. Like, you were half in, half out, pulling back whenever things got tough. If you're not ready to step up and be worthy of Stella, then, like, you need to back the hell up and let her move on. So this caused a lot of debate on the Twitter. What do you think of what she said? What do you think? (sighs) Honestly, I'm torn because on the one hand, I think I'd respect it a little bit more almost if it was coming from anyone else but Foster. Just because... Really? The only reason I say that is because... Yes, Foster, like, I'm sure Stella's told Foster a lot about their backstory, but Foster's only been there for, like, such a small part of their whole relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, like, it, so for her to be the one to say something that was kind of like, well, what's, like, 
what's it to you? Like, you're not the one who's like, like, you don't really know. Like, you know, but like, you don't really know. But on the other hand, yeah. but on the other hand, like, I also respect the fact that she said it and that like, you know, Stella has good friends that are going to stand up for her and like, make sure like, if they do, if Stella and Severa do jump back in that like, every party's been warned that like it's got to be different from the last time or there that will be this next time will be the last time and that's it so like i'm kind of torn because on the one hand i like i kind of wish it was from anyone else but foster but on the other hand like i do like the fact that like stella has such good friends that like stick up for her and say stuff like this yeah but on the flip side of that i mean the only other person who's going to be team stella in that situation is going to be brett and brett is way too soft-spoken to go up to severide and say that is she though? I think she's. I think she's way too soft spoken to step up to Severide like that. It it depends on who it is. Like, I feel like you know, Crotus. Yeah, she could definitely do that because like whatever, they're her roommates. But like, I don't know. I think I think with Severide, it's too much of a. I, I don't well, think she would do that with Severide. The only reason I say this too is because like I think the only reason Foster did it was because she was drunk or like halfway to getting drunk like she had alcohol in her system like I don't know if Foster would have done it necessarily either um but I don't know it it's interesting for sure yeah it is because I mean out of the guys like Casey's team Severide so that's clear you know Otis and Cruz are gonna stay out of it Yeah, I mean, the only other person who's going to step up for Stella is going to be Brett, so. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said, it was just more the fact that she was like, Severide, you put her through the ringer this last time, which, like, I guess Foster was around for it, technically, but I don't know. I was just like, you haven't, like, you don't, like, what do you know, Foster? Like, what do you actually know? That's true, though. She wasn't around for the early days of Stella Ride. No. I mean, even to, like, see them get together, like, she saw their demise, yeah, but, like, their demise was also, like, partially fueled by, like, Severide's father dying, so, like, I don't know. I was just kind of, like, I was, like, why foster? But, yeah, but, I mean, it was, like, I think a lot of people were, for the most part, were pretty split. Um, Yeah. Because, like, for example, we had Kristen who said, you know, foster did, like, said what she needed to, like, needed to be said. I think she did what, like, a good friend would have done. And then on Twitter, someone who goes by the name Sunflower reached out and said, I feel like she overstepped her bounds. Foster should have minded her own business and maybe let Stella handle her own affairs. Um, But then Allison kind of, like, had a different take. She said, you know, it was great that Foster was looking out for kid, but why does everyone always think Severide has bad intentions or is automatically going to screw things up? When we've seen him be... Oh, when we've seen him actually be in a relationship, he's always seemed pretty committed to whoever he was with. His and Stella's issues were more about him struggling with his dad's death than anything else. He and he seems to be doing a lot better with that. Plus, the first time they got together and then broke up was after what happened with Grant. So it's not like Kelly is alone and having some issues that affected their relationship. Good point. Good point. I think the only reason that people think Severide has bad intentions is because he's he's self-destructive. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's got bad intentions. He doesn't set out with the intention to hurt somebody. It's just that he's self-destructive. So when things implode, other people get caught in, in in the blast, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I don't think, it's not like he set out, like you said, like it's not like he sets out to hurt her. It's just kind of like what happens when he ends up hurting himself. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you're totally right, Allison, that, you know, Kelly's not alone in it being, it's, it's never, it's, it's not always just him. Like Stella had issues too with the whole Grant thing. So. Yeah. They've really just yeah. been a victim of bad timing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I hope this is not a tease. Like don't tease us and make us think that they're going to get back together only to have them not get back together. Like, you know. Don't mess with us, please. Well, I don't know if they're, like, I don't know. I wouldn't say they've, like, it's necessarily a tease because I think it's obviously shown that, like, Severide's into it. But, like, Stella doesn't, I mean, Stella's not, I don't think, completely there yet. Like, and, like, we were, I was talking about this with Ashley last week. But, like, is she still technically dating that guy? I don't remember his name. I I don't remember his name either. He's, it's bathtub guy, right? No, not bathtub guy. Shower Um, guy. No, it is, though. Shower guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember his name either, so maybe they're not. I don't know. Well, like, because, I mean, we only saw him that one time, but, like, it, I mean, obviously, it seemed to get kind of serious or more serious after that. Like, I, I mean, they went on, like, two dates in the span of one episode, but, like, I don't know. It was just, like, Ashley and I were talking about it where we were like, well, are they technically still together? Because that presents a whole other set of problems. Um but I feel like they would have mentioned him again if they were. Um, yeah. Or at least casually. We might not have even seen him, but just, like, casually mentioned him at least. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Stella's still, like, not really coming around. I mean, she's not there yet completely on, like, the idea of, like, getting back together right now. So. Yeah. So. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. Like, I see Foster being a good wing woman and looking out for her girl, but at the same time, I'm like, woman, can you please just let Stella Wright happen? Like, leave them be. But it's also kind of surprising how, like, Severide really took what she said to heart, which was, I guess, a little surprising, because, I mean... I think, he, I, I think he doesn't want to do anything that'll disrupt the situation, and for all he knows, like, what Foster said could have been coming from Stella. Like... And could have been influenced by a conversation, like, she had had with Stella. And so he doesn't want to do anything that's going to maybe potentially throw off his the situation and, like, upset her and, like, ruin his chances. I don't know. There was that moment towards the end where Stella kind of realized that he wasn't there. And then she said something about, like, you know, story of my life or something along those lines. So I think she, she, she wants Everite around. I don't know. But I feel like... If I was him, like, I would need to hear that from her. Yeah. Like, now that he's realized, like, maybe he was going too far by, like, constantly hanging around her, like, he needs to hear it from her that, like, it wasn't too far. hmm Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, so, elsewhere, we had a Bowden storyline this week, which was nice. I like Bowden storylines. Um... It was a little odd, but I liked it. I mean, I don't like how they set up this backdrop of, you know, Bowdoin's high school sweetheart coming back. I don't like how they set this up against the backdrop of Donna and Bowdoin fighting. Because they almost kind of implied that, like, he was going to be tempted to cheat, right? Yeah, they definitely implied that. I will say, though, like, one of the things that I loved about it was that, like, I loved how Donna, though, didn't automatically assume the worst. You know, she was just kind of skeptical about, like, the whole Jasmine situation and that, like, Jasmine might not have been telling Bowden the truth and that Bowden should go, like, be a good friend and, like, check on her. Um, 
And it's just, you know, more reasons why we love Donna and why Donna is the best. Donna's the best. She really is. Yeah, but I definitely got the same vibes, though, that, like, for a second, it looked like maybe they were going to apply cheating. And I was like, not voting. Please don't do this. No, but, like, also, I mean, why why do they have to, like, why do Donna and Bowden have to be having problems in order for his high school sweetheart to come back into his life? I mean, I, yeah, I just didn't like that implication of, like, he's going to be tempted to cheat. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess it's because, like, they think, like, whenever Bowden has a story that, like, Donna needs to be there. And so, like, why else would you bring Donna back in if you weren't going to have some kind of issue? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that storyline turned out to be really interesting. Just how, you know, of course, Bowden was or not even Bowden. It was Casey who really was kind of like, I don't think things are adding up here. Like things are kind of crazy. And Casey went to Bowden and Bowden, of course, was like, all right, like, I believe you completely. Let's, you know, let's take this out. And it turned out that it was her son the entire time who was like abusing her and just kind of, you know, set the place on fire and things because he has a drug problem. But that end scene was crazy because it turns out that Bowden is a closet ninja too. It's like everybody on fire is a ninja in some way, shape, or form. I'm telling you, it's part of the academy training. It's like ninja academy. It's crazy. But like, so Bowden disarmed the sun and it was like the smoothest thing I've ever seen. Like, I feel like he did that better than anybody on PD could have done it. Yeah, for sure. Like, it was smooth. And it wasn't even one of those things, like, on some most shows you'll see, like, when they disarm somebody with a gun, they'll end up, like, firing it into the air or something like that. Not even that. Bowden was just like, you know, I'm just going to slip my arm under here and, you know, press there and do this. And, oh, I got the gun. Like, no big deal. Yeah. Only Bowden things. Casual Bowden things. Bowden things. Yeah. There's Severide things and there's Bowden things. Just Bowden things, you know. But, yeah, it ended well. And then, of course, it ended with, you know, Bowden coming home and seeing Donna playing with Terrence and just normal, you know. Terrence is four now, which is crazy. Okay. I guess they've just decided to drop this part, but I thought it was interesting because remember how, like, in the early days of fire, Bowden had his stepson that he, like, considered a son and, like, didn't even call him stepson. He, like, called him a son um, from his previous relationship. I just always think it's funny now that, like, whenever, like, because Jazz her name's Jasmine, right? Yeah. Um, she, like, asks, um, they're, like, talking about kids and stuff, and Bowen's like, yeah, I have one son. And I was just like, but you technically at one point had another one that you really considered your second. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I don't, maybe he didn't. I, I don't know if they ever cleared it up that he like, ever technically adopted the stepson. The stepson is the one who the, the stepfather was beating him, like, a couple seasons ago, right? That's the same one, right? I think so. I don't know. I have to go back and brush up on my early seasons. I just remember. I just remember there being like an early episode where like Bowden went to his ex-wife's house and like wanted to see the guy, the kid, but like there were. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just remember. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. No, no I, I know. I remember exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah. Just I don't know. Bowden things. Bowden things. But. We also had a really sweet little storyline with Cruz here. I like this a lot. I do too. I love when they find a way to bring up old cases because, like, in real life, of course, they're going to naturally come up, you know, again. And so I think mm-hmm. I really like when they find a way to, like, innovatively, of course, rather than just, like, 
casually name dropping cases they've done like but like actually bring them back in some way that like impacts storyline i think it's cool yeah yeah so the whole gist here is that Crew's going undercover at that other firehouse from the crossover a couple weeks ago. He's basically getting a medal of commendation for it. And I, I just really like the way it shakes out because, you know, the first call, Cruz shows off a little bit, uses the slam again to get this window open. And, you know, at first everybody's like, damn, that's badass. But then Severide being the genius that he is, Severide's like, okay, here's why you shouldn't have done that. Um... <laughs> And, you know, he basically lays it out so that Cruz just kind of sits back and is like, okay, sorry, I shouldn't boast. Like, I'm just going to keep it on the DL. No big deal. But then Cruz gets this medal and, you know, he wasn't going to tell anybody. Brett finds out and Brett's like, what are you going to do? And Cruz is just like, just keep it, you know, don't say anything. But then at the ceremony, they're like, yeah, to like to put the medal on him is his lieutenant, Kelly Severide. And so Severide just stands up in his dress blues and it's just like, yep, I'm here. No big deal. And... Severi just gives this really nice little blurb about Cruz and it's just it's a really sweet little ending like the Cruz and Severide relationship it's just so underrated and I love it so much yeah no I definitely agree it's it's just so underrated and I love to how like like when Severide goes up there and he starts like pinning Cruz like Cruz makes a comment and I don't remember exactly what he says but then Severide's like do you really think I'd miss this it's just like I love them (laughs) Yeah. So, so good. So good. And, you know, Severide says a lot of sweet stuff. He just says, you know, Joe Cruz is one of the toughest, most loyal firefighters I've ever had the honor to work alongside. And then he says, you know, what sets him apart is his determination to always do the right thing, to put others above himself. And he says, that's, that's not, that's, that's not, that's what's, I'm having issues here. Sorry. That's what not only makes him a great firefighter, but a good man. Like, what? That's so sweet. Yeah, but then even, like, the fact that he goes on, he's like, I taught him, you know, I've taught him a lot over the years, but, like, I've started to realize that, like, I can learn something from him, too. Like, that's really cool. So, so good. I just, Cruz really looks up to Severide. Like, I don't know if I would call them friends, but the professional relationship between them is just so pure and so good they just have so much respect for each other well and it's one of the things too that i've loved seeing like obviously with cruz's transition in the squad to like see him have that relationship with casey early on because of obviously all like they really bonded over the flacco stuff um and they always had that relationship and then to see it kind of like transfer i mean obviously a very different relationship with severide but like to also see him have that kind of relationship with severide like i just think that's really cool yeah yeah, it's very cool. It's kind of similar. It, it's kind of similar to the Mills and Severide relationship. Like Mills always looked up to Severide like big time and they never really got to explore it. And so I'm glad that they're being able to explore it now with Cruz. It's just so pure and just sweet and wonderful. Yeah, but I, I like it a lot. One of the things I thought was interesting that Allison pointed out to us, she said, you know, I love that Brett and Severide, you know, show up for Cruz's ceremony. But why wasn't Severide wearing his hat with his uniform when everyone else in the room, including Cruz, was? Random thing that was out of place, but it bugged me. <laughs> Which I, I noticed it after she, I read her email and I was like, you're right. I don't know why, but it does kind of bug me. <laughs> I, I would just imagine Severide does what he wants. He's just like, no, I don't need this hat. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm sure, and I'm sure too, it's more of like a, in that moment, Taylor Kinney wasn't wearing it and then, but it was like such a good shot that they were like, we're not going to go back and do this for just the hat. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I'm more, I, I imagine it's more of like a real life thing than like a, it was scripted that way or anything, but like, 
it's really interesting to like see it pointed out though yeah 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 so we also had a comedy runner too with the uh, with the beer stein and I don't know. A lot of people like this one. I honestly was not too crazy about this one. I definitely, like Allison said, like she thought it was better than last week's, which like I definitely agree because I don't know. Gina, did you listen to our episode last week? I did. I did. So like you um, know that like Al- or Ashley and I like really did not like the Cindy storyline. So I thought this was definitely better yeah. than the Cindy storyline, but it's definitely not going to be my favorite one either. The Cindy storyline I liked until Herman kind of was a dick about it. And then it kind of lost me. I never got on board with it, but I definitely like this one better than that one. I, you know, it's 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 tricky with the comedy runners because, and I know we had talked about this in our episode that we did about the comedy runners on fire, but sometimes the success of a comedy runner depends on the drama happening around it. And so there were like three different dramatic storylines happening that I think all of us were maybe a little bit more invested in. So that when it came to this one, we were like, okay, that, great. Like, move on. Let's go. Come on. So I wasn't too crazy about this one. Like, it was good, but I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it was just kind of like there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole thing with the beer sign was that Stella gave it to a drunk customer. And then Herman was like, oh, my God, it's our lucky beer stein. And Stella just kind of had to work to get it back. And then Herman kind of realized, like, oh, wait, it's not lucky after all. Yeah. Like, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. We got to see more Stella and Otis together, and that was good because, you know, their competition is always fun. Yeah, no, I def- I noticed that too. So I think that was maybe the best part of it. So, yeah. So, alrighty. Shall we move on to PD? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, like we were saying earlier, this episode went on forever. Ever. Yeah, for a long time. It Only because, I mean, this was probably one of the most dense PD episodes I've ever seen. It was just so fact-intensive and just so full of information. It was just very, like, from beginning to end, it was just plot and information. And just every single piece of dialogue was important to move the story along. Yeah, like, you definitely had to pay attention to this one. And like I said, I had to watch it twice, and I still don't really know if I know what happens. Yeah, I mean, the whole gist is that, I mean, there's basically a gang war happening, but it's between the same gang. It's like different generations of the same gang. And Price is basically trying to orchestrate the peace between these two. And he basically brings in intelligence to broker a peace deal between the two sides. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's pretty intense. And I mean... Uh, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's just the whole gist of it. But like while Voight is trying to broker this peace deal, there's another shooting that happens. And so like it, they basically the older generation thinks it's the younger generation. And they basically I think the, the biggest part of this is that they finally find a CI or they finally they find a witness to one of these shootings and she's really reluctant to testify. She finally agrees to do it. And Kelton outs her to the press. I'm just like, so I think I can't even. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's crazy. And so I think the main gist of this episode is to prove like, hello, Price is still the good guy. Kelton is still the piece of shit. Yeah. I think it 
I don't know if you were supposed to, I don't know if you're still necessarily supposed to root for Price, but I definitely think it made it clear that, like, you're definitely not supposed to root for Kelton. No. No. But, like, and, and I mean, yes, this episode is really dense and it's fact-filled and everything. If you can get past the, the, the sheer, like, breadth of the episode that it's just so big and so fact-heavy and stuff, if you can get past that, it's a really strong story and it's a really good episode. It's just that, like, it kind of bogs you down with, the, like, the information. And so it's still a really good episode. But yeah, the Kelton, I mean, but also like, why did Kelton do that? Like, what did he have to gain by outing the CI to the press? I don't know. Does anyone understand anything yeah. he does at this point? Oh, no. And he was like, so oblivious to when Voight called him out. He was just like, why the hell did you do that? And Kelton was like, oh, I was just giving us all a pat on the back. You know, I was trying to show cooperation or whatever. Like, are you that oblivious? It's like, boy, bye. Get out of here with that bullshit. Yes. Yes. And then it was it was interesting because, like, you know, Voight was trying to call him out. And Voight was like, no, you only do what, like, serves yourself. And then Price was the one holding Voight back. So I'm really weary to accept the notion that Price is the good guy because they're kind of pouring it on thick at this point, right? That's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't know if you're necessarily supposed to root for Price, but I definitely think you're supposed to root against Kelton. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned that they're going to pull a huge twist on us at the end and Price is going to turn out to be like a really giant dirtbag. That'd be a big plot twist. Yes. But it wouldn't surprise me. And then it kind of leads to the whole debate of like, you know, the lesser of two evils, which really at most points in politics is like the case. Yeah, no, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, elsewhere, there was lots of Upwater, lots of Upsick and Outwater, or Upsick, lots of Upton and Outwater working together, which was kind of nice. I enjoyed that. Still the ship we deserve to see at some point, but to each one's own. Yeah, true story. True story. I was a little, like, heartbroken at that one moment when Upton and Atwater were, like, taking her somewhere, the CI, and she was like, I thought I was going to testify. And they took her to a train station and were like, you have to go. Like, bye. That was really sad. But I also thought that, like, yeah, I thought they were totally in danger when they kind of prefaced it with, like, the press conference and Upton and Atwater with her at the same time. I was like, oh, my God, like, they're about to be in, like, major danger and have no idea. So I thought that there was, like, a shooting or something imminent, which wasn't the deal, thankfully. But, yeah, it was a very, very fact-heavy, dense, dramatic episode. Um, there's not a lot of notes from this one other than, like, damn. Like, Yeah, I think it's just because, like, at the end of the day, like, while the case was so fact-heavy and was really good, if you can get past how dense it was, it's not important, really, at the end of the day, like... It, it doesn't move the story along for the most part. I mean, if it does at all, it just kind of is more of an emphasis, like price good, Kelton bad. When I think of the only other part you can connect to it too, which we'll talk about because we're going to talk about the promo for next week, is the Blair stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's like minor, so. Yeah, so I mean, basically the whole thing with Blair is that we're supposed to think that his job is temporary and he's just in Chicago briefly and then is going to leave. But towards the end, we find out that he got offered another job and he was going to stick around. Because he seems to be and getting attached to Burgess. Because, I mean, who wouldn't? But, like, he's definitely getting attached. And so he doesn't really want to leave. 
What did you think of that moment when Upton and Burgess were having like relationship talk? I don't know. It's like, on the one hand, I like seeing it, but on the other hand, like, it almost was like. It's awkward, right? Like, like, why can't she be having that conversation with like Atwater? Or, I mean, I don't think they would. I mean, we're going to get a Ruzik stuff eventually, but like, why isn't she having that conversation with like Kevin? Like, she's much closer to Kevin than she is Upton. How do you feel about the Upton and Burgess friendship? Because I'll be honest, if we go back to Burgess and Lindsay, I feel like their friendship was completely forced. And so I feel like with Upton and Burgess, you've got that really odd dynamic of like Upton's dating your ex-fiance. Yeah. So like, I mean, just because two females are in the same place does not mean they have to be friends. Right. No, for sure. I think... I definitely think they're better friends than the Burgess-Lindsay stuff of it all. And I think they've definitely done a good job of, like, you know, on occasion, like, the, um, where they got kidnapped. What episode was that? Um, was that the Galantine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, at least you could, you saw them working together a little bit, which is something I feel like we never got with Aaron and Burgess. Um, but... Yeah, like, I just, I I don't really have any opinions about it. Like, I don't really care. Yeah, and it just, you know, just because, and I, you know, I just said it, like, they're kind of in different orbits, I feel like, and that's okay. And I've said that about Burgess and Lindsay, and I'm starting to feel the same way about Burgess and Upton. Like, don't force a friendship on us. Like, don't ignore the fact that, you know, again, Upton is dating Burgess's ex-fiance, and that can make shit a little weird. Like, don't force a friendship on us despite that. I don't know. I'm a little, like, torn. But, yeah, she should have been having that conversation with Kevin. It would have been a much better discussion. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, again, like, I really don't care either way. Like, I did think it was weird, but, like, I really just kind of, like, okay, that happened. Yes. Same, same. How do you feel about Blair? I mean, do you like them together? What? How do I feel about Blair? Like him and Blair. I mean, we don't really know a lot about Blair. I mean, I think I'm like, I want to say I like him because I like Charles Michael Davies. <laughs> and I mean, I love Charles Michael Davies, obviously. Um, but so I want to say that's clouding my judgment. But like, I don't like, especially after the promo, like I really like I, I'm not getting attached. Like, I don't care. Like, he's fine. I like that we're seeing him, I like that we're seeing there's, like, a little bit more relationship before it, like, goes all to shit, unlike Matt Miller, because mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. thought the Matt Miller thing could have been, okay, like, good. I mean, obviously, it probably would have been the same storyline, but, like, it only happened over one episode. Like, that was it. Yeah. Like, she mentioned, she yeah. casually mentioned him once, and then he appeared in one episode, and it was, like, I remember, like, that end of that scene, and we were, like, oh, he's probably going to come back for at least one more episode, and then we're, like, nope. That's it for Matt Miller. And we were like, okay, sure. Right, right, right. I don't know. I don't, like, uh, Kim and Blair, I'm also kind of meh with, like, I mean, he he's a fling. Like, they get one scene an episode. They pretty much start off every episode, and that's about it. They're in bed and moving on. So I don't really mind it. And so this promo, though, I mean, yeah, that's the whole reason we're kind of, like, easing into this with Upton and, 
and, and Blair because the promo is kind of crazy. I mean, but like uh, anytime yeah, a character yeah. starts talking about how their work is almost done or they're retiring or they're close to vacation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're almost always about to get killed or at least shot and injured. Like almost always. True story. I feel like that's true for all of TV, not just PD. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like anytime a character starts talking about that kind of stuff, like they're almost always like something's about bad. It's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so was was it Vicky last week when she was saying like you know there was a tidbit that somebody close to Burgess was going to die? Yeah, that was Vicky. Yeah, and so I mean we saw this promo and right off the bat with the promo they were like you know her lover was murdered. And Twitter was kind of up in arms about it because like half of Twitter was like, oh, damn. The other half of Twitter was like, why the hell would you spoil that? Yeah, Jamie sent us a question and she said, what are your feelings on NBC's promo department? They've always been a bit over dramatic, but they need to leave a little more to the imagination. I mean, I mean, it's their job to be over dramatic. Yes, 100 percent agree. And I, But I do. I mean, on the one hand, I like. I kind of have been annoyed with them this season because, like, I do think they've given a lot of stuff away. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. this probably, unfortunately, like, Blair isn't really going to be the focus of the episode. So, like, what does it matter that he, that you know he got shot and killed? Like, he's not yeah. the focus. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is that, I mean, it's, they gave it away, but I think it's because the whole, the episode's going to revolve around finding the person who did it. Right. So... You know, I think that's why it's important to just kind of get that out of the way and let us know, hey, this is what the episode is prefaced around, is that, you know, Blair's murdered. Um, so, you know, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And so that'll be interesting. And we're supposed to get our Burzik scene next in that next episode, aren't we? Yeah, that's what Vicky and I were trying to figure out. I think it is, we, or she thinks that it is, like, that episode. So in two weeks, no, three weeks, technically. On the 24th. Yeah, on the 24th. Yeah, on the 24th. And so... Uh, you know, after every ever after every one Chicago Wednesday, we always put the call out and we're like, hey, what do you guys want to hear us talk about? And so Haley had replied and she said she's like, based off of what Marina has said, what role does Ruzik play in the next episode? I am really hoping it's a scene where she's just like really upset and he's just kind of there to calm her down and console her and be like, yeah, this sucks. But I'm, I've always got your back. I'm always here for you. Like, I'm hoping it's kind of a scene like that. Because as far as we know, he and Upton are the only ones that know about Blair, right? I think so. So, like, he's the only one who knows that, like, I mean, obviously, I don't know if he knows really, like, how much Blair meant to Burgess, if Blair even really meant anything significant to Burgess. But, like, he's going to be one of the only two people she can actually talk to or, like, knows how she, like, knows, like, who this guy actually was to her. So, I hope that's, I hope. I'm hoping... I hope it's something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then what was interesting, because like I said, you know, we always ask, what do you want to, what do you want to hear us talk about in the next episode? We got a reply from Marina, which like that never happened. So um, Marina said, she's like, what do you want to see from Burgess next season? Asking for a friend. Um, Detectives exam? Yeah, I think think that's the only one I can say confidently, depending, because like it all depends on how the rest of the season shapes out, right? Right. Like, I mean, obviously, I feel like we can always right. say Burzik, too, but, like, I don't, like, we don't really know what the Burzik stuff is in next week's, or in the next episode, so, like, what if that answers my question? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but detective's exam for sure. Yeah. I think about half of that department, or half of that unit needs to be taking their detective exam, but, you know, whatever. Uh, detective's Burzik water. I'd be here for that. <laughs> Burzik water, lol. 
Berzik water. Yeah. That's the only like trio name that flows. Like all the other trios, it's like impossible to put those together. Too funny. Yeah. But yeah, that's funny. The Berzik waters. But yes, so Marina, tell your friend that we're hoping for Burgess to take the detective's exam. And also to get back together with Ruzik, but that's always going to be a hope and wish and dream. Yeah, I'm. So. Yeah, we'll see how this next episode goes, but fingers crossed for a good Berserk scene. I know we're getting something, yeah, but like what sure. it is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was also a cool little tidbit that PD posted. Um, you know, there's that moment where Jay and Boyd are trying to broker the peace between the two generations, and basically like a drive by shooting happens. And going into that commercial break, PD tweeted kind of like the behind the scenes of like how they made that scene happen, which of course I just like lose my mind over because I think the way TV gets made is like the coolest thing in the world. And so I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, But yeah, otherwise, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff happened in this episode. A lot. Mm -hmm. A lot indeed. Yeah. So any other notes on PD? No, I think that's it. Alrighty. So it's about all we've got. Um, it's a shorter one than usual. You know, things have been kind of crazy. So um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. As always, we watch other shows. We do. I am binging Beverly Hills 90210 right now. It's excellent. Also, the bold type comes back this week, and I think both of us are very excited about that. I feel safe saying that. I'm very excited. So we watch all sorts of other stuff. And so The hundreds coming back at the end of April, too. I'm excited about that. That's a good show. Um, But yeah, so, you know, email us anytime about anything. It doesn't have to be one Chicago-related. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, because you've made it to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Um, in terms of schedule, we haven't really talked about it yet. Um, so we'll kind of post that on Twitter and let you guys know what's up. Um, in the meantime, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at K 13 Yes. And so we will tweet out the schedule. Um, If any of you are still paying attention to March Madness, go Texas Tech. I have to say that as the girlfriend of a Red Raider. Uh, But yeah, that's all we've got. So we will see you guys later. Bye.